0: of conduct. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out, the stone wasn't a thing. thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. king. God made me punch in accurate numbers. Yeah. My castle won't crumble, nah. what I tackle will fumble. Yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet up, up. According to me, royalty didn't end with king touch. Nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Yeah. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. The I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single Now I need on. all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell. Even yeah. if we playing chess, dog. this king can't be checked I make all my moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler, I feel like man Musa. Musa Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels Yuh. I'm a king, heavy is the head that wears the crown, crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found work. I took the sword out, the stone wasn't a thing Damn. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. King.
1: Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening and good night. This is the code of conduct of the King Podcast. I am your host, Jay Spencer King. And you are listening to this on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast and Podcast Network, presented by Picasso Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day, Picasso. We are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide order online at PicassoPizza.net. What is going on, Bills fans? I am back. It's been a couple weeks that I took off to kind of get myself, you know, back in the good space after the Super Bowl. And uh I don't think it worked because I'm still upset. Me and Josh and Luca were talking prior to the show, and I'm still I'm still pretty annoyed. And I think I think the reason why I'm so annoyed. Is because of the news that we got today and then the reaction to the news kind of got under my skin. So let me introduce my guests. We have, uh, listen, I'm excited. These two guys uh, do great work. They're part of a wonderful network. Uh, I got family over there. My girl T, my man A Rich is over there with Built in Buffalo. But I have Luca and I have Josh, the co-host of the Bills Chat Pod, joining me tonight. What is going on, gentlemen? Let's start with Josh. What's up, man?
2: What's going on, Jay Spence? We appreciate you having us on. But I, I mean we have some bombshell news to get to, so at least it won't be boring.
1: Yeah, no, it won't be boring. We, we were before this, I I thought the kind of, the yeah. questions I sent you guys, I thought it was gonna be good. But now it's like, okay, this opens up a whole nother a whole nother thing. What's up, Luca? What's up with you, man?
3: Uh doing good. You know, I'm I'm just excited to sit down and get a little Bill's content out there with uh my my main guy, Josh, who pointed the wrong guy here. Yeah. And I'm excited yeah, to be have did? your show here and uh see what we got talking about now.
1: Well, let's get right into it. Um, before I get to the stuff that I sent you guys to talk about, um, obviously the big news of the day is that uh defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, or Bill's now former defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, decided that he's going to sit the 2023 season out um and hoping to make a return in 2024. And it's unclear whether he'll be back in Buffalo or you know what capacity he's gonna be returning back to football. So um <sighs> Let's get your thoughts first before we talk about all the, the other stuff. So let's start with Luke on this, and uh, and I'll swing it up to Josh. Yeah,
3: my thoughts really are it's, it's a shocking move just because of the nature of him just leaving on his own accord, it seems like, and just taking a break, getting away from it all, um, especially at the time that it happened as well, where you saw a lot of the coaching changes already occur. You know, time has passed. There's been a kind of that lull period. And then all of a sudden you see this kind of drop. The reaction is the reaction to me. I don't really try to listen to that noise. It's just, I, I try to stay in my own kind of feelings and opinions. And really it's, you know, it's one where I, I don't feel um, that. I don't feel that it's a move that I celebrate, but it's not one I'm going to sit there and also scrutinize either. It's just one that I'm just going to view as it's a move that clearly needed to ha- be happening for whether it was Frazier's reasons Or and or Bills and McDermott's or whatever. We don't know the conversations behind closed doors, but that has happened. And whatever it is, they feel like it's best for all parties involved. And we're just going to move on with our day. Like, I'm not going to make an emotional reaction towards that. It's just unfortunate, the timing, because maybe if it happened sooner, we could have done our due diligence better with more let's say outside personnel that we could potentially bring in to replace a Frazier. Now it's kind of like one hand tied behind our back because other things have already happened. That's where I kind of get agitated with it a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, cause I, I had this um, discussion on Twitter earlier where somebody was saying, you know, we could have hired or we can hire somebody else as good. And, and I asked the question. um, So I'll ask this to you first, Luca, and then, then we'll get Josh's reaction to the move, you know, and, and go forward. Cause right now I don't feel like there's anybody who's not currently a defensive coordinator who would be worth the job. I saw some people mention Rex Ryan. I don't want to see Rex Ryan in the Buffalo bills facility ever again, unless he's there, like saying, what's up? Like he's just in town for some pizza. He wanted to stop by and say, hi, I don't want him hired by the Buffalo bills for anything else. Um, I can see Wade Phillips. I know he's coaching full time now in the XFL, I believe, or the, U- I-, I don't know which league, one of those leagues, but that's unlikely as well. So, I mean, like, is there somebody right now who you would think, you know what, he would still make a good defensive coordinator? <sighs>
3: not really not not outside the house at this point in time there's there's I'm kind of with you on that one it's it's essentially you got you got what your guys are in house that can already be familiar with it and no one from the outside at this point that's still available is going to be able to give you a boost because essentially that's to me what you would need to do if you're going to bring in someone from the outside it needs to be a boost or for you know positives it can't be just to try something different when you had seemingly something good. And it's of course the bitter taste in the mouth with the divisional round game, but overall things were decent and it was running and things were good for the most part. So you don't want to bring in someone that's just going to kind of throw mud at the wall and hope it works and just change things up completely. So you're going to probably try to keep it in house. Cause yeah, as you're bringing up this question here, I can't even think of a name that immediately pops out to me and goes, yeah, this guy's going to Bring it to another level. This guy's going to elevate what these personnel can do on the defensive side of the ball. I just can't I can't think of a name off the top of my head like that.
1: Yeah, and out at the combine uh, today. Brandon Bean basically had he did say that uh, Sean McDermott will take over uh, the defensive play calling, you know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Josh, what's your reaction to all of this, man? It's this been a crazy day.
2: Well, yeah. And the timing really couldn't be worse. And when you hear somebody leaving for personal reasons, your first reaction is you just hope that person is okay. You know, you hope there's nothing going on in his life, obviously way bigger than football to make him step away from a job like this. This is a precious job. Coaches work their entire lives to get there. So for him to step away, something's going on that we'll probably never know. As far as outside the building goes, I agree with you guys. The well is dried up. The Bills essentially... We're playing a game of musical chairs and the music stopped on defensive coordinators before they even got in the game. And now you're looking at outside hires like Jim Leonard, a former Buffalo bills defensive back. He was rumored to be going to Philadelphia, uh, Josh Boyer. I don't know how exciting that would make anybody as bad as Miami's defense was last year. Chris Richard is a guy that his name has been hot recent years, but as of late, maybe not so much, but I really think this is a situation where, like you mentioned, Jay Spence McDermott's going to call the defense and I expect a coordinator to be promoted from within. And I would think Al Holcomb makes a lot of sense.
1: So, well, let me ask this because um, obviously there, there wasn't real clarity on um, when Frazier does return to football on if it will be with the bills or, you know, they, they pretty much, they try to be as vague on that as possible. And I can completely understand why, but um, do you, do you think, you know, they aren't going to make a higher. Ed- like we have a def- defensive assistant coach now, but we don't have a coordinator like we just mentioned. Do you think that that's how they stay with it? So that way, when Frazier decides to make a return, he can kind of slide back in. Or do you think this relationship is pretty much done now because he's taking this time away?
2: No, it reminds me of a relationship where somebody says we should take a break and we all know what that means. Like it's over, but we're just having a hard time getting to the finish line there. I don't know how you you present this job as Bill's uh, defensive coordinator to somebody that you consider a good candidate and say, if and when Leslie Frazier decides to come back, it's his job and you have to step aside. So I think for a lot of reasons, this is the end of the Leslie Frazier era in Buffalo. And I think whether they do promote from within or they get somebody on the external side, that will be the defensive coordinator and whether or not McDermott calls plays. I I do think they will name an official defensive coordinator because there's so much on a head coach's plate that you do need a lead voice in that room. If nothing else, Monday through Saturday.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, It's just interesting to me because the way they do like typically, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm I'm not going to be politically correct tonight. I'm going to be honest. I'm starting to get annoyed with the front office and the coaching staff and and the way that they aren't honest with the fan base. Um, So I know Leslie Frazier or uh, Brandon Bean mentioned earlier that um, this decision really came last week. So they waited until today to announce it because of the combine and all this stuff. But I feel like a lot of times they just give us this information and it's like bits and pieces to where it's not completely what the truth is or it's not really the truth at all. And then um, they just expect us to kind of just trust the process. But then as a fan, so I, I look at this from two sides, so I, I'll ask you both. We'll start with Josh. But, um, you know, as a fan, I, I have every emotion that every fan on Twitter, every fan in, in the barbershop, every fan at the stadium, at the tailgates has, I have those same emotions. But then once you, you know, I think you guys can relate to this. Once you start doing content, a lot of times you have to pick up your emotions and put them to the side and really look at the game for what it is. You prepare for your shows and you have to, you really have to look at things, um, from a very practical standpoint. It upsets me because I feel like they, the way they talk to us about it, it's almost as like, we're dumb. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and I just get tired of it because as a fan, the fan side of me is like, you said trust the process six years ago. And okay, we made it to the playoffs. And first it was, okay, we're playoff caliber. Now we're championship caliber. Where the hell is this championship? And I know you're not talking about the AFC East title. Like, I get it but the teams that I'm used to rooting for outside of football, we don't even hang conference banners. We don't hang division banners, man. I'm a Lakers fan. You know what I'm saying? We don't even hang those. We got championships. I need a super bowl. So, so Josh, how how are you with the way the team is communicating all of this stuff to the fan base? I just think a lot of times it's just a lot of, um, I can't say how I want to say it on here, but I feel like it's just a lot of BS, a lot of crap. So
2: I totally understand your frustration. I think it's a give and a take, right? So If Rex Ryan was the Bills head coach right now, I think we would know everything that was going on behind those doors. We would know exactly why Leslie Frazier stepped away and there would be leaks to Adam Schefter Leafs leaks to Ian Rappaport. Rex Ryan might even just come out and tell you the full story at a press conference. And when McDermott took over for Rex Ryan in 2017, it was a concentrated effort to really button up the process. And I know the process is a buzzword, but really what they do is they control the leaks coming out of that building and they are airtight. And on days like today, that can be very frustrating. On days after 13 seconds in Arrowhead, when everybody just wants answers for what happened on that kickoff where Tyler Bass kicks it out of bounds and Sean McDermott out of the end zone and Sean McDermott just says it was execution. They don't throw anybody under the bus. They don't give us any more than they think we need to know as fans, it can be frustrating, but I think it's probably the lesser of two evils versus a situation where we know everything, but they don't trust each other because it's a race to see who can throw the other person under the bus. So I get where you're coming from, um, but I don't necessarily mind it overall.
1: Okay, what about you, Luca?
3: Um, I look at it as... I ca- I have my own personal feelings on kind of people that handle stuff as close to the vest as this organization does. And on one hand, everything Josh said is accurate. You either get one or all oh, those are your pollers, right? Either everything's getting out and it's out of control or you just control every little thing to the point where it almost seems like you're skewing media and reports and stuff however you want it to. And I don't really like either. Right. I don't like either or I want someone or I like individuals that show they're human. And that means but also like educated. Right. And I want them to be understanding of what's going on around them. So like a being a McDermott, I, I understand everything they do in the process and all of that kind of stuff and everything they preach and what they want to get out and how they don't want basically anything getting out unless they gave their say so. But at the same time, like that's not realistic. You know, if you're at a job, leaks get out all the time because just human nature, people share information. One person talked to another at lunch, and next thing you know, you go back to work and your boss already heard about something you just leaked about at lunch. That stuff happens. And the fact that it doesn't really with the bills and stuff is concerning to me because that just seems like they're not realistic with how information travels. And at times, like you, I think your point on, Them just treating fans or just general public as dumb and how they talk and how they let information get out to us is spot on. It's almost like you don't appreciate the individuals your consumers will call us. I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. we are at the end of the day. We're consumers. You don't treat your consumers with respect to allow them to or to understand that we can be capable of kind of being given the tough news or just kind of being a little bit more real with us so that we can have a better understanding on what's going on because when moves like this happen or if even something more brash occurs and you really are given no background information on that afterwards, then it just leaves you scratching your head on what could be, it's more frustrating at that point. Whereas if you had a little bit of a heads up or a little bit of more of a real talk where, Hey, behind closed doors, we're not going to tell you about everything, but here's one or two tidbits. So you can at least connect the dots and understand Mm -hmm. how we got to this point. That to me is much more realistic, much more human and stuff. And just I would understand that. And we wouldn't be sitting here frustrated at every move and everything that happens, because it just always seems like there's too many question marks without any answers that are linked to anything that possibly happens in the organization right now. And that, to me, is the most frustrating part of
1: it. OK, so now um, let's let's kind of move on from the Frazier talk. But with with everything that we just said, all those feelings and all of the, now. The Super Bowl is over. The Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl, the team that the Buffalo Bills was built to beat. Right. Like they won a championship. They beat the Bengals. Then they beat Philly. Buffalo Bills are looking at this. How are you feeling now that the season is over and that the result is what it is? Um, the Bills were knocked out at home in the divisional round. We scored 10 points. You know, where do you where do you feel? Because I know I know my feelings or how do you feel? I should say I know my feelings and I'm always hesitant to share them because a lot of times I try to be on the more positive side for things because I know, you know, the average person that listens to to my show. They I think a lot of people come to me for the positivity. So I try to stay like that. Last couple of weeks, I haven't felt that. So I I took time off for myself because I want to get back to being positive. But I'm I'm actually in a very. Um negative space when it comes to the way I feel about the Buffalo Bills heading into this offseason now. So uh, let's start this one with Luca and swing it up to Josh.
3: Honestly, I'll be honest. I'll bring a little positivity here. Kansas City winning it to me in a sick, sick way just confirms that the league is exactly what we still believe it to be. Nothing is different. There's no hierarchy change. It is exactly what it was going into this year. I think the unfortunate part of it or what Frustrations are pulled from, and Josh and I have talked about this on our own shows in past and stuff. Is we built up this incredible hype train, and mm-hmm. everyone told us this entire previous offseason that this is the team we're the betting favorite, everything is in front of them to get it done finally. And then reality set in as the season progressed, and it's like maybe this team isn't as good as it seemed like they were. Obviously, you have the unfortunate injuries, you have all the other circumstances that come throughout the season. But then the divisional round game was just an absolute slap of reality where we aren't that good of a team. But honestly, the Bengals then lose to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they beat the Eagles. I wanted to say they dominated, but they didn't because, I mean, the the Eagles offensive line and just both of those, they they were still a good team. It's just the Chiefs got the job done and -hmm. we're sitting here exactly where we were, kind of what it felt like two years prior last year, where it's like the goal is to get above the chiefs. Cause as soon as you get past the chiefs, you should be the next King of the Hill. And to me, I'm sitting here in an off season where, or going into an off season, I should say where I'm not that upset. It's just the good part of it. If you want to pull the positivity out of this, it's that we had reality slap us in the face. So now it's time to be real with ourselves. And hopefully that's what they're doing internally And just understanding there are not just one or two small holes. There's one, two, three, four, five holes you really need to address in order to get back up on believing you should be that Super Bowl champion because Kansas City is in a great spot where they are to just run it right back. Cincinnati is still there. And you just now need to do something to change that here and now. And instead of just building this hype train, I kind of said it to Josh. This is my going to be my mindset going forward. And this is what I want the Bills to be. I said it on one of our previous shows recently where it's like I want them to put the blinders on. I want them to not give a bleep about anything that anyone says. And it's unlike last year where it was we are the team. We are the betting favorite. Who cares if they talk one minute about you in the national media? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Just get your job done. And hopefully the, you know, starting with the front office, they just address all the needs that this team has to get back up to that place where they can beat Kansas City and Cincinnati in the games that matter the most.
1: You know, that's probably my my issue is that for the first time in my adult life, um, my team has been looked at as a favorite this season or this past season. And because of the way that it went, I think that's probably where my disappointment comes. It's not um, I don't think the team has done anything differently. But but you're right. Going into that season, uh, being a Super Bowl favorite and being, you know, whatever. I think that probably did have a lot to do with it. But, man, it's so frustrating. Where are we at with you, Josh?
2: It's a tough spill. It's a tough pill to swallow. It really is. But I think when you take a step back and you remove yourself from the emotion of the moment, because recency bias is a real thing. After that game ended, we were all like, Holy cow, this team stinks. <laughs> what happened to our bills? They just got run out of their own building by a Bengals team that was down three starting offensive linemen and were seven point underdogs by kickoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same way the year before, after 13 seconds, we couldn't throw enough roses at this team because they looked as good as you can possibly look in a playoff loss. So they probably weren't as good as we thought they were after 2021. They're definitely not as bad as a lot of the fan base thinks they are after this past season. I think the harsh reality of the NFL is the Super Bowl is just such a hard trophy to win. And nobody wants to hear that right now, but the bills had two all pro defensive players out of the game, Micah Hyde and Von Miller. They had a third all pro player, Jordan Poyer, for lack of a better term, being held together by duct tape. That dude played through three different serious injuries and was not the best version of himself, but he still did whatever he could to get on the field. A fourth all pro player intradavius White, who was working his way back from an ACL injury and was clearly not the best version of himself. Daquan Jones, who was by far their best interior defensive lineman on the team, didn't play in that game. They just ran out of bodies. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, it's bad timing, but I'm a big believer, Jay Spence, to win the Super Bowl, you need three things. One, you have to get in. And the Bills have done that under Sean McDermott five out of six seasons, so that's good. You have to be hot when you get in. They weren't necessarily hot. Like we could see the wheels starting to fall off as the regular season. me not? I, I'm losing. I'm losing frames a little bit, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll wrap this up in case I'm losing more frames. You also have to be healthy they didn't check the health box they didn't check the hot box so really they they really got in and then once they ran into the Bengals team they got out pretty quickly
1: yeah and 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 that's also disappointing because i guess for me going into the season i didn't look at the Bengals as the threat that they obviously were um and i don't know if it's because now do i think and this is not where excuses come from me because i'm still pretty upset so like do i think if von miller was there do i think it would have been a different outcome Yeah, I think when Von Miller was in, we were a top-five team at getting to the quarterback while rushing only four guys. Um, Once we lost him, we weren't that. But my issue with that is, and then we can get right into another discussion, Uh, my issue with that is, even without Von Miller, that defensive line is full of first- and second-round players, first- and second-round talent, either guys that they've signed or guys that we've drafted on our own, first- and second-round talent. And the thing is, we still could not – any type of pressure on the quarterback. Joe Burrow was out there playing with three backup offensive linemen, three backup offensive linemen, and we could not get pressure on that. So Luca um, there was, there was a clip going on Twitter that I actually kind of got involved with before the show where um, they were asking Sean McDermott about uh, players that we've drafted seem to have a a big jump in year three. And, you know, I kind of got upset. I'm like, Whoa, the chiefs this past season, Every rookie of their draft, they uh, contributed in the Super Bowl and in the playoffs, which is true. But I, I'm sure I get that that wasn't the the point of the post. But I guess what I'm saying is now, it, when you're looking at all this stuff, you're looking at the guys that we draft. How is it that, or why is it that the guys that we draft at the place that we draft, and we don't get the production that we're looking for? Because I, I just believe when you have a team full of first and second rounders in a certain position, it should be a strength and not a weakness. So what what's your take on that? I think
3: part of it is just some coaches are built to better. They're built to put that talent in better positions early on in their career. And some aren't and where I'm getting, like I think of a guy like bill Belichick who has had unquestioned success in this league for a very long time. And the one knock he has always had, even when they are winning Super Bowls, is he never puts rookies in positions to succeed, and his draft picks never matter because honestly, only half of them they make the roster, and half of them will get moved on or never make an NFL squad from then there on out. And when they take shots once in a while, like a Nikhil Harry or something, it just seems like nothing is ever there. And it it could be part of the player and just their scouting department sucks, but I just think they always have never been good at putting their rookies in great positions to succeed early on in their career. And then from there, you can't build on anything. I'm not saying McDermott's that awful at that. I just think this coaching staff doesn't exactly know how to best utilize rookies because – the, the thing with rookies is they're at their prop. They're close, if not at their athletic peak, you know, maybe they got to build up their, their physique a little bit, but they're young, they're fresh, they're healthy, everything like that at their athletic peak, they just need to get the knowledge base and the understanding of the NFL speed to get it going when it comes to well rounding out their career. And you can kind of help a player in that development. That's the part of it that you should be doing as a coach. And I just, I feel like McDermott and his coaching staff over the years has just never been able to really figure that one out. You get the couple rare, you know, like a Trey white was kind of an impact guy right out the gate and stuff. But I just think that was because he was already, he was already smart enough to be that guy coming out of the, like into the draft, I should say. He was already that guy, you know, intellectually that could figure out the NFL speed at the position he was at because he was playing against the receivers that eventually he's going to be playing against already now in the NFL. It's it's just well, I don't think he's very good at understanding where to put them in great positions. And then they slow down their development.
1: Well, real quick, because I don't want to I, I have a question to follow up to that. Yeah, if that's the case, because you're you're right. So in that first draft, the first two drafts, a lot of the players that they drafted in the first four to five rounds, they became contribute. They played, you know what I mean? Like a mm-hmm. lot of them. Um, but then I guess my question is then what is going on with the with the with our draft um, strategic or, or our strategy, whatever, however you want to word it, because if, if we came in that way and we were drafting hot, we drafted Josh Allen, we drafted Tremaine Edmonds, who started. We drafted Trey White, who started. We drafted Ed Oliver, who started. Like, you draft these guys who are good enough to start, and then now the last few years, it seems like, like, we this year, Kyre Kyr Elam is our first-round draft pick. In a year where Tredavious White was on injured reserve for half the season... Or more, you know, he didn't play. What did he come back? Week eleven or week twelve? I can't remember the week. But in a year where your number one cornerback is not on the roster for half the season, your number one overall pick only starts six games. To me, so we have we drafted a linebacker in round three that barely saw the field, Um, James Cook you know, towards the end of the season, he got some dude, but, and I can keep going. Like I can go back to last year too. So uh, let me get both your takes on that, because I, I do think something in the draft philosophy has had to change then because coming in, we're like big baller bean. This dude is it, man. He got, he he's a, he's a wizard with the contracts. He drafts everything perfectly. He's the man. Now the last three years you're seeing other teams pluck guys off our practice squad. Wild Goose just picked up another, uh he got an extension this this. Today with the with the commanders, you're seeing all of these different things. You see Isaiah Hodges get plucked. Up. Now I get it. I get it. The Giants is basically Bills East. I get it. But, you know, Isaiah Hodges get plucked off the practice squad. What is going on with our draft philosophy? I just – I
3: question a lot of it when it comes to just scouting and in- – Things like that, the information, whatever information is kind of getting talked about with being in all of them, they're just seemingly missing at something there. And that's what I mean. Like, I just feel like this coaching staff, scouting department, everything like that, they have a okay understanding of what they want and what they want in a player. But then at the end of the day, they don't know how to really turn uh, translate that from whatever they're seeing to whatever they can actually get on game days. Something is wrong in that path. And I don't know if it's just, it's not the right people in that scouting department. If beans just trusting someone's word over another, and it's just information's getting skewed in that pathway, something is going on when it comes to these past few drafts. Cause you're everything you just listed, like Kyrie Elam was, you know, Josh was beating a drum earlier this year where it's like, you're scratching Kyrie Elam to play Xavier Rhodes, a guy who, you know, exactly what you're getting out of. And it's not exactly something phenomenal, And Mm -hmm. why is that the case? You can't, you can't tell me you want to see what you have in this guy. You, you have seven, eight years of track record to understand what you have. You should be seeing what you have in this first round rookie that you expect to be a, a long running player for this team in a position where you're forced to have kind of a thin corner room for that game. It just, a lot of those questionable decisions are being made and there's communication that's happening there that they're just missing on evaluation and just understanding what talent they have and what's good and what's not, whatever else is going on. Cause like you said, the blue chips that they got early on with, you know, Edmonds, Allen um, stuff like that, it was going great. And then as they've been kind of picking later in the draft where you need to really be on your stuff and understand where those players are, it just seems like either they're not understanding what they're getting fully or they just are not understanding what they're seeing fully with those players as soon as they're in the actual organization. So there's there's just a, a disconnect or a, a miss in that world.
1: You got any uh, comments on that, Josh, before we go to the next question, because I, I agree with you, Luke. I just, or Luca, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective, because it does seem like when it comes to draft, Brandon Bean came in hot and we were like, yo, Brandon Bean is that dude. Now, over the last couple of seasons, I look back and hindsight is always 2020, but it's like, man, it's, we just aren't, we're not hitting like, like. at least I thought we were as a team. But Josh, what you got?
2: Well, I, this last draft class, I don't have any answers for you. I don't understand why Kyir Elam couldn't get on the field when they were running out of bodies at defensive back. The Xavier Rhodes point, I mean, I could go on for the next 30 minutes. Nobody wants to hear that. I was frustrated, red in the face. I don't get it. Watching it, um, Kyrie Elam was playing very well, continued to get better, has elite ball skills. I will say in defense of the Bills draft prior to last year, I I do think it's probably better than most of us think. I think this is a, um, something that happens because of how bad their season ended. We tend to overreact to a lot of things. And one of it is, was front and center was how poor some of their high draft pick defensive linemen played in a very winnable matchup against the Bengals. Brandon Bean has had six first round draft picks. since becoming the Bills general manager. He spent one on Josh Allen, mega star in the league. He traded one for Stefan Diggs, mega star in the league. Spent one on Tremaine Edmonds, star in the league. Ed Oliver was a miss. I, I think we can all probably agree they didn't get the bang for their buck with the ninth. If you can still hear me or not, I apologize. But I firmly believe Gregory Rousseau is on the verge of being a star in this league. His numbers prior to Von Miller going out, he was the eighth highest rated pass rusher per PFF at Edge in the entire sport and finish the season 14th pass rush metric on PFF ahead of Von Miller for the season. That's not a miss to me. That's a very good pick. Um, so I think when you start looking at things like boogie Basham over Creed Humphrey, that hurts. Letting Wyatt Teller get out of the building, that hurts. Isaiah Hodgins get out of the building, that hurts. Something is not connecting with the draft and development process, because I think even as simply as if you still had Isaiah Hodgins and Wyatt Teller on this roster, We would all feel a lot better about everything. Um, But even the best teams in the league miss the chiefs drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Jonathan Taylor. They drafted McCole Hardman over DK Metcalf. It happens. It stinks when it happens to your team. They are certainly due for a home run draft because they haven't had one of those in a few years. I believe it. The last pro bowler they drafted was Dawson Knox and he got in there as a, um, what is it? A reserve because somebody backed out. So the last true true pro bowler was Tremaine Edmonds. Um, So, you know, that's not the end all be all metric. But yeah, they're certainly due for a good draft. But I don't think it's as bad as some of the headlines are saying
1: at this point. You mentioned um, they, they the Chiefs drafted Hartman over uh, D.K. Metcalf. We drafted Cody Ford oh, over D.K. Metcalf.
2: Jay Spence and the high fives in the draft room when they did that. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> that is sickening. Joe Shane standing up and aggressively high fiving everybody at the table. And I mean, yes. they were all, yeah, I,
1: yeah, yeah. Like, what are you, what are you in for? <laughs> the guy is out here in Arizona. Like, what are yeah. you, what do you, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No,
2: no, no, you're, you're good. Uh, Lucas got some love for those Arizona Cardinals too. So he was not super excited when Cody Ford went out that way. Uh, But that, you know, that's a first guess. I I don't know about you. I was certainly on the DK Metcalf Metcalf train that draft or just Mm -hmm. offensive weapons in general. And um, I did not like the Cody Ford pick. I hated the way they developed him too. Like, hey, you're a right tackle, but you're going to rotate with Ty and Seke. And then year two, you're going to be guard. And because we want to get you on the field, we're going to let this guy named Wyatt Teller go out of the building. Uh, The whole thing was a mess. (sighs)
1: <sighs> okay moving on from the draft we could talk about the draft all day um but let's let's talk a little bit about um free agency because i think that obviously is coming before the draft um and there are some key pieces some big players that we we may or may not have going into next season um jordan poyer being one of them uh tremaine edmonds being another um there's conversation uh this year about you know what the future looks like for ed oliver um is he a trade candidate is this somebody that you feel like we should keep um, let me see AJ up in Nessa like a lot of these guys is, is getting to the point where decisions are going to have to start to be made soon so um, just heading into free agency how, how are we looking what do you think is going to happen what should happen how, how, how should this thing look
2: I'm firmly on the trade at Oliver train I haven't seen enough out of him to warrant the 10.7 million he's going to count against the cap and that money is sitting in the corner inflexible as all get out you can't do anything with it it unless you want to add void years to it or you could extend him as anybody in a hurry to extend out Oliver at this point I think if you get a even a day three pick for him and you get 10.7 million in cap relief you take it all day long you can fill two or three holes with that money with the flexibility with free agents to spread out the money lessen the hits early now um, as far as the big names uh, you know Jay Spence I would defer to you on Jordan Poyer I think I, I don't get the sense he's coming back but I, you know I'm, I'm certainly I don't have intel on that uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I really think, is 50. I know I know he came out this week and said he wanted to test free agency. Um, that is a guy that they drafted and groomed. We know they love, and they are all about draft, develop, and extend. He is the poster child for that. He has done nothing but get better since he got here in Buffalo. Um, I think that if they are going to try to extend themselves to keep one of those two in the building, it will be Tremaine Edmonds. And my hunch on Poyer is, They've probably drawn a line in the sand of what they're comfortable paying him. It's probably far less than he thinks he's worth. And at this point, it's go out, see what you can get on the open market, and we'll let you know if we can match it. And I would bet that he's probably not going to be coming back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Luca?
3: Yeah, Josh says it all perfectly. I, we, we definitely both share very uh same mindset with all of these players talked about here oliver is kind of a guy where the money you have to pay him in this fifth year is just not there it's not something you want to do so if you can get any sort of value back in moving him it just makes too much sense in a way as long as you're seeing it and understanding it the way that it seems like we are um Poyer, I've, I've just accepted at this point that they're moving on. If For the fact that you haven't heard anything and his play was as good as it was, especially considering all the things he was going through throughout the season with injuries and stuff, if you haven't heard any sort of rumbling or anything about that, that seems like a writing-on-the-wall situation. It's just going to be what it is. And then Edmonds Edmonds coming out saying he wants to test the market shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Any player that has the chance, especially at their his age, to hit the open market should absolutely do so for their own reasons. You need to understand what your value and worth is out there. I I preach this heavily and I know others share the same mindset. I am all for players getting paid as much as they possibly can. Any opportunity you have to get paid, you need to get paid. Your next paycheck, you don't know if it's coming, so you need to get it while you can. And Edmonds is in every right of his kind of career right now to do that. It's just, I think the bills are going to be keeping a close eye on that. I think they're going to try to like through any sort of connections or understanding, see where his market is going so that if it's somewhere they feel like they can jump in and just be like, Hey man, we know you've heard these numbers and stuff thrown to you. We can do that for you. Then maybe he could come back, but that's just me kind of crap shooting. I would hope they would prioritize him. Um, I would love to see him back. I I know Josh would as well. Um, He's definitely a guy that I would absolutely pay, but also, Understanding now that a key guy like him on your defense is potentially not going to be there, you need to make sure you're doing your job and seeing what else is out there to kind of, you know, what whether you need to do it in a cost-friendly way or whatever it might be in the draft, change course kind of deal to fill that role. That is going to be a massive hole they need to fill and figure out that you should be almost plan for the worst and hope for the best kind of deal. Like you, you should be planning that absolute worst case scenario happens and figure out how you can fill that void as best you can, but hope that he does uh, ultimately come back and you're able to get a number that you can both agree on so that he can be that guy moving forward.
1: Yeah. And I th- I don't think it's a secret. I think everybody here knows how I feel. Um, Tremaine Edmonds needs to be a Buffalo bill for the next four to five, six years. Uh, you know, like I just, in my, in my mind, there's no way that you let that guy out of your building. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, he, he should be here. Jordan Poyer, as much as I love Jordan, everybody knows I love Jordan, that's my dog. I understand that there's a conversation to be had when it comes to Jordan Poyer. You know, the the age thing. Now Jordan thinks he's he said this several times, like, you know, I'm a late bloomer. I didn't start getting, you know, real time until a certain age anyway. I played special teams, so I didn't even get time to play. And so, you know, he's like, There's not many miles on these tires. I still got miles left, you know. So he he thinks that you know he has years left. Um, I think that he still played, even like you mentioned earlier, he, he played basically with band-aids on every part of his body, his arm, his knee his everything was hurt. Um, but he still played at a high level when he wasn't in you, you, you saw a major difference in what the defense was as a unit. When he was in, we won games during the season. We were undefeated during the season and the last game of the year we lost. But um, I, I think Jordan Poyer makes a big difference. Same thing with Tremaine. When Tremaine was out, um, you saw like how quickly the defense just looked. We got gashed in the run. There were throws over the middle that you don't typically see. Um, I just think, you know, they're talking in the comments right now about, you know, if we could sign Tremaine to like a five or six year to keep the cost spread out. Uh, Sarah Larson mentions that he's 24 A long-term deal is definitely possible. And I agree. I think as, as Brandon being Sean McDermott, any of those guys in the front office, I think at this point you you figure out what you need to do to keep Tremaine in this building. I love you, Tremaine. I hope that you uh, stay a Buffalo Bill for life. If you don't, I'm rooting for you, whatever team you go to, as long as you don't go to Miami. That you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm yeah. with you. You're my dog. same thing. For, I told Jordan the other day. I'm like, dude, just don't, he he on his podcast talking about like you know, hey, I might have to shout out Mike McDaniel. He was at this, at to birthday party or whatever he was talking about. I'm like, dude, just go anywhere. I got you. Got to go somewhere. I can buy your jersey. I can't buy a mm-hmm. Dolphins jersey, Mm-mm. but um, but I do agree with what both of you said about Oliver. I'm at the point. I like I like Ed, like Ed a lot. But I think um, I agree with you guys. Ten point seven million dollars is a lot when the production that you're getting doesn't match. Um, I think I saw in the comments you keep uh, you, you get rid of him and keep Epinesa. I tell you what, I'm at the spot where I'm actually ready to move on from Epinesa. Um, you know they draft. They seem to draft defensive line players so much. Draft another one, but get rid of this guy because he's just not worth the amount of money that um, we're going to have to pay him to have him on this roster. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I do think there's going to be a conversation over the next year that I don't think a lot of Bills fans are ready to have, and that's about Tre'Davious White. I love Tredavious White. He's an all-pro player, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, one of the best in the division. I think right now Sauce got that kind of squared up. He's that guy now in the AFC East. But um, Trey White is still – you know, he's coming off the ACL injury, and he's going to get better again. Like normally the second year after that injury is when guys get back to their normal selves. But the conversation is going to have to come up soon. He's a big cap hit, and again – You know, when you're paying Josh Allen the money you're paying him, tough decisions have to be made. Uh, So just an early, uh, early conversation, uh, because this is not something we have to worry about right now. But what about the conversation of of Trey White?
2: I don't know how much flexibility you have to move off of him this year. And I but I agree with you, Jay Spence. I think we're going to be right in focus of this conversation next offseason, particularly if they hand out this big deal that Sarah's describing in the comments to Tremaine Edmonds. Where you know Roquan Smith got 20 million APY from the Ravens. That's probably what Ed- Edmonds is going to want. And you can, you know, you can make that small year one. Von Miller got 20 APY from the Bills, and it was only six million against the cap year one. But eventually you have to pay him what the what the cap figure says. Um, and Tradavius White, I, I agree with you. I think as great as he's been, I wasn't necessarily encouraged by how he played last year, understanding fully he came off of a very, a very severe ACL injury. But you look at his age. You look at coming off of an ACL injury. He's already at the age where cornerbacks start to hit the athletic wall anyway. Now, he's a savvy player, so I think he can probably hang on in the league and still be a a plus starter for a while. But is he going to be the caliber of player that you're comfortable paying that high of a cap figure to? I'm not so sure. And I think that's one of those tough conversations that the Bills are going to have to have with Tredavious White, similar to the kind of conversation they're having this offseason with Jordan
1: Poyer. Yeah, I'm with you. Luca, I got a question for you. um, My man Eli in the comments wants to know, are you also letting Devin Singletary go? Now he came uh, to me. I think this is probably his best season overall. Um, I don't know. I can't speak it for sure in terms of yardage, but I think overall, I think we saw him run tough this year in a way that we really haven't seen him do for a complete season. Uh, where are you at as far as Devin Singletary this year?
3: Um, I'm, I'm at the point where, yeah, I'm letting him walk. It doesn't mean that I have anything against him. I think the value that you have gotten in return for Devin Singletary since you drafted him is tremendous. I think the, the output and the production that you've gotten from him and the trust that Josh Allen has in him for being the guy that he was picked where he was is perfect. It's awesome. It's great. Everything about that is wonderful, but this is a perfect time to just move on and figure out another way to fill that role. And I think Bean even came out, said that he looks forward to an expanded role with cook next season, stuff like that. To me, that seems like that's where their heads at at well as well. Like if though Singletary went out there, tested the market, didn't really find anything for him in a crazy, crazy running back market this off season. Um, I could easily see him coming back, maybe signing a one year, two year deal. That's very cost friendly, like very, very cheap and just kind of running it back because his options out there are just not going to be there. Potentially that could, that's a reality that I do believe could be the case. And with that in mind, I would welcome that I would be perfectly okay. You know, if it's a very low number, he just wants to run it back. The market wasn't there for him, stuff like that. I'm okay with that. If he, if he can figure out a way to come back and it's not going to be anything of a detriment to our cap or any situation like that, where it basically is like extending his rookie contract a couple more years, perfectly fine with that. Like that's, that is a okay with me. It's just, I wouldn't expect the bills to be in any sort of position where they're going to give him a pay bump just because they want to keep him in house. That's not where I'm at with Singletary. It's, it would be more of something him returning after seeing the market just isn't there for someone like him, unfortunately, at this point in time.
1: Yeah, Josh. Um, so because I'm agreeing with everything that Lucas said, so I don't even have a follow up, like he's right. <laughs> uh, so but with that being said, uh, I'm sure, like me, you guys um read and listen to everything that's been going on around the NFL. On ESPN, there was like a, a hypothetical trade uh where they said that the Buffalo Bills should go and look for uh Derrick Henry. Now we know his cap hit, we know what it but I, I'm not specifically asking how you feel about Derrick Henry. I mean, you can answer that. Uh, But outside of that, are there any trade scenarios that you do think the Bills need to might kind of take a look at in order to take that step forward in certain areas?
2: So specific to running back, I do not expect the Bills to be aggressive at all in addressing the running back. They have spent three day two picks in the last four drafts on a running back. They traded for Naheem Hines, who's going to count nearly five million against the cap. They spent a fifth round pick on that. I would not anticipate them trading for Derrick Henry. I know right now they're second or third on the Vegas odds of landing Saquon Barkley. I would not hold your breath on that. Um, I saw PFF say that they would be a good landing spot for David Montgomery. I don't see it. I'm with Luca. I think they're going to play musical chairs and gladly sit out until the music stops and then pick a veteran that didn't find a home. Let the other teams go out there and overspend for Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and maybe Tony Pollard. And then maybe Damian Harris is sitting there willing to accept $2 million to be your between-the-tackles workhorse complement to James Cook. As far as trades, I don't know of any trade ideas I'm necessarily in favor of as far as bringing guys in. Uh, The one trade that does appeal to me, we already talked about, Ed Oliver. Uh, But, you know, the Bills really, they're going to be shopping in the clearance section this offseason. They don't have a lot of money to spend. If they can free up enough money, it's going to be, I think, to try to bring back Tremaine Edmonds. They still have to fill out their wide receiver depth chart. So as far as trades go, I wouldn't expect them to be overly aggressive there. Uh,
1: my, my brother Eli in the comments said he's laughing, but he says Lenny Fournette. Um, <laughs> he's he's being let go um, once the league year starts. Um, any any consideration? So, for instance, if Singletary does leave, you think we can get Fournette on a cheap deal or do you think he's going? I believe he's 28, 20. Sarah sent it to me earlier. I think he's 28 or 29. Um, do you Do you see any value there potentially as opposed to Singletary?
2: I mean, yeah, playoff Lenny is, has, has been a good player for a while in this league. I don't know if he's what he once was, but again, it, it's, a, it's a cost thing. It, I think the Bills right now are going to put about $2 million on their sticker. This is what we're, they're walking into a car dealership telling the salesman, I'm willing to spend about 2 to $3 million here. What's the best car I can get? If Leonard <laughs> Fournette's the best car I can get, great. But the Bills are certainly not going to get into a bidding war. And I would bet, you know, given his age, Leonard Fournette could come at a uh, nice discount.
1: Okay. Uh, Luca, any thoughts on uh, any trade scenarios or, uh, you know, anything just to follow up on what Josh has said?
3: No, I'm I'm kind of in a mindset where I think they're going to be a a little bit more open for potentially trading for a weapon. I don't know. I don't really have a name that comes to mind at that one. I mean, one that I want to just preach into existence for my own personal love is Keenan Allen, but I got my own motives for that. And when, as soon as his name popped up of, Hey, he could potentially be moved. I don't think there's actually anything there till, Uh, what's, uh, Tom Telesco was basically shooting that down immediately as soon as people were talking about it, but I'm looking at a wide receiver weapon. I don't think they're going to go out there and make any sort of move for a running back. That to me just seems a little bit more far-fetched and just unnecessary at this point, just kind of shop in the clearance aisle, figure it out. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm far off the Lenny talk there. Like if anyone even remotely talks about that, I would probably even jump on our own Twitter instead of Josh to reply to those and just immediately shut them down. Cause I want (laughs) no part. If my guy Rashad white is out there just instantly after one year being like, yeah, we want to go with him more. Obviously there's a rookie contract involved in that too, but Mm -hmm. they want to go with him over Lenny. Like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'll I'll pass on that and we'll just move on with our lives. Like, no, I don't need 28-year-old Leonard Fournette in this building whatsoever.
1: And I'm also with you on Keenan Allen. I was actually more excited about the possibility of the Buffalo Bills maybe trying to figure some things out, trade some pieces away, and actually try to take a look at DeAndre Hopkins when the Cardinals first said that. Um, he has a couple of years left on his. He would obviously look for a restructure wherever he goes so the team could could potentially make the deal a little bit more friendly in the earlier years and figure things out, trade away some pieces that again, um, they're without certain guys now on that defensive line for them. So maybe see if they're interested in the AJ up so he's in, in the draft pick or see if they're interested in the Ed Oliver and draft pick, you know, and, and figure out something like that and maybe see if there's a way that you can acquire a, a talent like a Deandre Hopkins to, to pair with the Stefan Diggs. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Now I'm back on Madden talk, but, <laughs> thing is and actually i didn't bring up that point before we went live there was a conversation that that the three of us were having about madden so i want to get your opinions on this while we're live and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up We could talk about uh what you guys have coming up as far as content and anything that you guys got happening over with built in buffalo but uh one of the things that i said and i'm not again i'm going to give this uh disclaimer like i did to you guys earlier because i don't want it to be taken wrong um i'm not saying this as a like a condescending tone where I'm saying like Madden has messed us up. But a lot of times now when you play Madden, you know, it's very easy. Um, you know, even if like you, you just practice a while. I don't care what level you play it on. You're on our Madden, you practice, you play for a couple months and you're, you're like that, right. You can just play. And it's very simple to go through your franchise mode and, and get the number one offense. Cause you threw for 7,000 yards with Josh Allen. You have the number one defense cause you average 28 sacks per season with greg rousseau and then another 25 with von miller like it's easy to do right on madden so then because of that talent that we have and the people that we have in the room and you look at josh allen playing quarterback like a like a greek god like he's just like zeus out there right playing football you have this talent so then fans feel like we should be dominant every single game and we should beat every team that we go against and Leslie Frazier's defense should be one in the league and Ken Dorsey's offense should be one in the league. We should win the Super Bowl every year, like I do in Madden. And it's just not realistic. It's just not realistic. So um, the conversation we were having was actually geared towards more Leslie Frazier. But what I want to do is I, I want to switch it up now, like with that conversation. So we just talked about free agency, talked about the draft we can't do the things that we do in Madden in the draft in free agency. Like we can't, you know, I, I think I was playing last week. I'm trying to think of who I signed and it was like, Oh, I got Aaron Donald. I got Aaron Donald. Oh. So now, right. I got Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Ed Oliver. And I'm trying to think who my other, I think, I think it's Russo, but it happened. I sent them a trade for two first round draft picks and I traded away somebody else. I don't even remember who, and they accepted it. I was like, Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> so with that being said, going into this part of the offseason now, um, realistically, what's your message to Bills fans? You want to go, Luca?
3: Yeah, I can take that one. Just patience and just an mm-hmm. understanding of realism and that when you have, you know, a wallet with only $20, you can't mm-hmm. exactly go into the Prada store and buy whatever the F you want for your girl. Like, go for it. You, you right. got to go to Target. You got to buy something nice that she'll still appreciate, but your $20 can afford. It's the
1: thought that counts.
3: It's right. It's the thought that counts. Hopefully you have the right thought in mind. Hopefully you have an understanding of what you need to do and everything like that, but just understand a big move is probably not around the corner there. You need to just be real with yourself and just understand that they kind of made that splashy move last year, especially with Von Miller. So all reality, it's just not, there's not anything there at this point in time. Now, if you see something big leave, if you see an Ed Oliver leave to make move you know, to make room and stuff like Josh said, it's most likely for Edmonds. But then if all of a sudden Edmonds signs, now you have a little bit more to play with. You obviously created more space. Whatever you need to do, there are things that can't happen, but it's going to require something to leave. It's going to require room to be made in order to even remotely entertain anything more than just kind of being really smart with your $20, being really strategic with the minimal things you have in, in yourself. So just being patient and real is kind of the mindset that Bills fans should have out there going into this free agency and draft. All right.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a long offseason. It really is. And I I think there's not a whole lot that's going to happen this offseason that makes the general fan overly excited. Like last year, we were all we couldn't wait for the season to start. We were convinced it was the Bills year. They signed Von Miller. It was fantastic. You know, the, the last impression we have of this team is being run out of their own building by the Bengals. They don't have a lot of money to play with. They're probably going to experience more net losses in free agency than net gains. I will just tell everybody that I think the Bills are probably going to be fine. Micah Hyde is coming back. Tredavious White will be a year removed from his injury. Whether he's an all pro or not, who knows? Um, you know, another year of Kyrie Elam developing. Hopefully he can get on the field. Uh, Spencer Brown, second year under Aaron Cromer. I think there's some optimism there. There's a lot of reasons to think. Dorsey's second year. I think there were a lot of good things with Dorsey that got overshadowed by some of the frustration we had with some of the lack of design with the play calling. Um, but in general, this isn't an offseason that's going to make you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. It really is an under-the-hood offseason where I think maybe the biggest move they make is signing a swing tackle like Kelvin Beecham or George Fant. You know, $3 million and just some, somebody that if Deion Dawkins gets hurt, you don't have to worry about David Questenberry going out there and falling over five times trying to block the Patriots. Something like that that may not pop off the screen on ESPN, but come October, November, if Deion Dawkins has to miss a month becomes a huge signing that you aren't thinking about a Daquan Jones type signing. Nobody was j- running through the wall when Daquan Jones, signed. Luca was, I'll give him credit, but nobody was running through the wall was, when Daquan Jones I signed. And then, too. and then the game started and you're like, Whoa, who was that guy? So, yeah. um, you know, Brandon Bean has a lot of work to do. His staff has a lot of work to do. And uh, we'll just have to see what happens.
1: So positivity meter, uh, where are we at from a one to 10, 10 being positive. We're still in the right direction. One, obviously being like, Oh hell, Where are we at? And then we can move on. Josh, where are you at with him? 8.5. Because what the Bills have, I believe every
2: team in the league needs to do two things. One, you have to solve the quarterback issue. And by solve the quarterback issue, I mean find a quarterback that gives you an advantage over 25 other teams in the sport. Now, if you want to say Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the league, he's not. Patrick Mahomes is. But he's in the conversation. Is he in the top five? It doesn't matter which way you rank him. He gives the Bills a head start at the beginning of every season, along with a select few other teams that have that guy. That's a great starting point. They make the playoffs every year under Sean McDermott. They have made it five out of six years in the history of the NFL, guys. Any coach with exactly six years of coaching on his resume, Sean McDermott is the only head coach to get his team to the playoffs five times. Four other guys are tied at four. I think it's Mike Martz. Um, I'm not going to go through the list, but Sean McDermott's actually on a historic pace of getting this team into the playoffs. They have the dude at quarterback. They get into the playoffs enough. They just need better health. luck. that I I hate to say it like that because it sounds like a cop-out, but they had such extraordinarily bad luck last year with health. I don't know that on paper, this team is going to be the best team at the start of the year, but I think if they have better injury luck, they get into playoffs, which I assume they will if they're healthy and they're relatively hot, they're going to have as good a shot as anybody, and we'll see what happens.
1: Okay. Where are you at, Luca?
3: So I'm a little more tough than Josh. Uh, I'm at a six. Six is also my number, but still, that's not why I'm at a six. Eight. Ten, you're coming off a of Super Bowl. Nine, you made the Super Bowl. And eight, you were inches away from the Super Bowl to me. So coming into this offseason, we're not an eight. Like I kind of felt the past two seasons. So I've kind yeah. of just come, I'm, I'm kind of building myself and this is kind of where like, this is kind of going to be my attitude through the entire off season, leading into the season. Just be very neutral about everything. You don't have to emotionally react to anything. It's going to be very, very difficult at times. I'm sure but just kind of be neutral, mellow about it. And that six feels like a sweet spot. It's not very, very neutral at a five. I'm still positive about this team that they can still be one of the better teams in the league. I just want to be real with myself and just understand that there are holes that need to be filled. And I, you know, it kind of this entire episode we've been talking about, Is the front office as good as we thought? Are certain positions actually good? Is Ed Oliver kind of needing to be, you know, shipped out because his his price tag is too much for him? There's those questions enough there that I need to see it, you know, the evidence in front of me to prove to me I can bump myself up to a seven and stuff like that. That six is I'm still positive. I still think people are in place to do the right thing. I just am not going to kind of hand that to them though until they do it for me. So I'm just at a six, like, I'm still happy about that team. Like I'm not sitting here, you know, as a Cardinals fan, probably sitting at a 1.5, just not knowing what the heck's going on. Like I'm at a six because this team, as Josh pointed out as Josh Allen. So, you know, there's what a handful of quarterbacks better than him in the league at best. So we're still in a great spot. There's things that are there. It's just, Prove it to me that you can actually do your job when I'm talking to being McDermott and stuff that you bring in the things that are needed to fill those holes and then go back at it to then hopefully win those games that just were slipping away from you in years past.
1: OK, that's fair. I'm, I'm at a seven. And um, I'll tell you what. So right now I'm at a seven. Talk to me in a few weeks. If if Jordan and Tremaine are not on this team, I might be closer to a five. Hit me up. Then we'll see where we're at. But why don't we get on out of here, um, obviously, everybody follow them at Bill's uh, at Bill's chat pod on Twitter on. Are you on Instagram and all that other good stuff, too? Just right right now. Just Twitter. Just Twitter. Okay, And then uh, let us know. uh, What do you have going coming up as far as content or anything special that you guys might be putting out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we, like you, took a couple weeks off from the live show, just had to kind of let everything settle in. We will be kicking back up the live show this Friday night, built in Buffalo live. Um, Luca and I will be start diving into the defensive depth chart. What moves the bills should be looking to make this off season. And obviously if Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer leave, that conversation becomes a little bit more complicated. And then we also drop, drop the audio version of bills chat podcast every Monday morning. And then Luca's cooking up some Sabres chat on uh, built-in Buffalo YouTube. My guys Stokes and I are dropping some quick hits. Like today we dropped a Leslie Frazier is out video. So we try to hit the big topics whenever they happen. Um, so if you could, we'd love for you to go subscribe to built-in Buffalo YouTube. We're almost to a thousand subscribers and it would be great to get over that number before free agency starts.
1: Let's get it. Let's get them over a thousand and, um, Look, man, you guys do great work. Everybody over there does great work. Shout out to, um, like I said earlier, shout out to my guy A Rich. Shout out to T Estelle. Love T. Uh, T is T is like a sister to me. I love her. So y'all keep doing good things, man. We'll have to link up some more over the summer during the off season. Maybe get you back on one more time uh, before the season starts. We can do like a season preview once we kind of know what the team looks like. Uh, I'll get you guys back on and uh but ladies and gentlemen y'all know how i do it over here for buffalo rumblings vidcast and podcast network it's your boy jay spencer king y'all love each other take care of each other and live in peace and as always stay positive test negative go bills y'all can say it y- y'all can say go bills no, go, go bills, bills. <laughs>